The scripture this morning is from Luke chapter 17, verses 11 through 19. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, ten men with skin diseases approached him, keeping their distance from him. They raised their voices and said, Jesus, Master, show us your mercy. When Jesus saw them, he said, Go show yourselves to the priests. As they left, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw that he had been healed, returned and praised God with a loud voice. He fell on his face at Jesus' feet and thanked him. He was a Samaritan. Jesus replied, Weren't ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? No one returned to, pr to praise God except this foreigner? Then Jesus said to him, Get up and go. Your faith has healed you. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, good morning again. Um, as I mentioned before, my name's Julia. I'm the youth pastor here by day and by Sunday morning. I'm the worship leader. Um, I'm really grateful. Steve has given me the opportunity to teach this morning. And so I'm really grateful for this opportunity and grateful for you here and in person that you haven't run off yet. Or at least I'm assuming you online have not run off yet. Um, I'm not actually checking those numbers, but maybe you have. But with that being said, I'm really grateful to be teaching this morning, but let's start off with some prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your presence this morning. Thank you so much for the gift of gathering together in worship, in person and online. I ask that you soften our hearts this morning and speak to us so that we can be called further into love and relationship with you and those around us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you didn't know, we are in week three of a four-week series on gratitude that we're calling, uh, we're calling Thankful. And um, the last two weeks, Steve has done a really awesome job about talking about gratitude and what it means to be thankful for those who came before us and what it means to receive thanks. Um, and he's going to pick up and finish that series next week. So you'll want to make sure that you come back for that. But uh, I, as a new seminarian, I'm about to finish my first semester in my big seminary brain. I'm really grateful for this opportunity to teach, but I've been told to teach what, what you know, to teach something that you're good at. Talk about something you live, right? We want to be honest people, and that includes when you're standing up here with a microphone in your hand. And so rather than talk to you about gratitude, which is something I'm not that great at, I'm going to talk to you about something that I'm really, really good at, like expert level, top tier at, and that is ingratitude. I am really good at being unthankful. And you can ask Kennedy, she's my roommate too. Um, I'm really good at complaining. Like I could do it all day, all the time. And there are some days that I do do it all day, all the time. And sure, like, gratitude has its benefits. You know, according to people outside of the Christian faith, like Forbes magazine, gratitude can provide you with better and more relationships, improved physical health, improved psychological health, more empathy, less aggression, better sleep, better self-esteem, and improved mental strength. And according to scripture, gratitude can provide you a stronger relationship to God, improved faith and trust in God, peace, wisdom, motivation to grow in your faith, blessings for others, and even salvation, according to Psalms 50, 23. 
And those things are all nice and fine and dandy. And I'm not saying they're bad or that you should necessarily like avoid them. But there is one strength of ingratitude, one strength of unthankfulness that just kind of surpasses all the rest for me. And that is unthankfulness is easier. Being ungrateful is so much easier than cultivating gratitude in your life. In fact, in Romans, Paul says that being ungrateful is actually the default setting for humanity. It is so easy to be ungrateful. I mean, think about the stories that we share in the Bible. The Exodus, when God freed his people, the Israelites, from literal slavery and genocide in Egypt. He takes them out into the wilderness. They walk through a sea on dry land. God moved the waters of the ocean. And what's the first thing they do on the other side? Complain. And they want to go back. We're talking six million people. And maybe not all of them complained, but enough complained that the only person we have in, book, in the book who doesn't complain is Moses. And in fact, Moses goes on to complain about the Israelites complaining. So what I'm saying is that ingratitude, real easy. But I like to do things big. I like to be the best that I can be. I feel like it's a very common culture for us here in America. So I'm going to share with you some five really super easy ways that you can kind of become a more ungrateful person this morning. And I know that sounds strange, but chances are at least one of these five habits are something that you're already doing in your life. These five habits come out of lived experience. They're things that I've done even as recently as this last week. So the first habit that you're going to want to pick up if you want to become a more ungrateful person is to start comparing. And what you're going to do is you're going to compare your life to the lives of those around you. Specifically, you're going to compare the bad parts of your life to the good parts of someone else's. And at first, this sounds a little strange, but when you think about it, the good parts of someone else's lives are the parts that you're more likely to know, right? You're not going to have to work very hard to figure these out. People are often really eager to share the good news in their life, to celebrate things with other people. And so even if you're kind of a stranger to someone, if they just got a promotion, they might walk up to you and share that. If they just had a baby, they might walk up and share that. If something really awesome happened in their life, they might tell you, even if you're not that good of friends. Plus... If you scroll through Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, Twitter, whatever it may be, what you're going to see is the best parts of other people's lives. So that's already right there waiting for you. And then if you think about your own life, you're more likely to remember the things that upset you or that hurt you or that are not cool, the things you find annoying. And so it's so easy to compare them. I'll give you an example. I have this really wonderful dog. Her name's Lacey. She's a German short hair pointer. She's super cute. If you want to see what she looks like, you can go check out my Facebook page. Um, she's the love of my life. But she does have this problem. Um, she's a hunting dog bred to hunt from every, everything from bears to birds. And so she loves to kill things. And she has had this problem since we moved into this new house where she has been, like, killing the wildlife. Um, and this is something that doesn't really sit well with me. I don't like cleaning up dead bodies. It's not really a hobby of mine. Um, big shock there. And I, I feel really bad for these animals that are dying. And I, I just, I really don't like it. It's not something I like. And so if I want to become even more ungrateful, 
than I am about my dog and the fact that she's hurting these innocent animals. I can just think about all the Instagram pages that I follow about dogs who are so well-behaved. There's a dog on TikTok right now, her name's Bunny, who like uses buttons to talk to her owner. She'll say like, Bunny, once, outside. My dog can't do that. There are dogs who save lives by smelling cancer and by detecting um, when uh, seizures are about to happen, by detecting gluten in food. They can smell the gluten in food. Who knew? And if I compare the, the fact that my dog is killing people, or not people, but killing creatures, <laughs> that'd be a really, <laughs> my dog is not killing people, she's killing squirrels, um, to the fact that there are other dogs saving lives just like that, ungrateful. And it took almost no work at all. The second thing we're gonna to wanna to do is kind of in a similar vein, but more than just compare yourself to other people or compare your life to other people's lives, what you're gonna do is you're gonna compare your life to a hypothetical life. And the really great thing about hypotheticals, they're so much fun because they're not bound by reality or nuance or things like details. So sure, I could complain that my dog is hurting the lives of squirrels, especially when I think about the fact that Clifford would never do that. This giant dog that I could ride around on. I mean, my dog can't even pick up her own toys and put them away, and Clifford is giving, I think it's Emily, rides to school. I mean, come on. When we're comparing to hypothetical situations we've made up, it sounds kind of crazy when I put it like that, but maybe in your real life, it looks like dreaming up a job that you never have to complain about, a job that you're excited to go to every Monday morning, that you never want to take a day off because you just love it so much. Now, I've never, ever met anyone who has a job like that, even people who have really great jobs. I love my job, but there's some days I don't want to go. And so if I can compare the realism of my life that includes some frustrating and disappointing times to a hypothetical situation where there's nothing bad going on at all, ingratitude, just like that. It's so easy and it's so much fun. The third thing that you can do to cultivate ingratitude in your life, and this one's a lot of fun too, is to complain out loud. This one is a really great way to spend the time, especially when you're hanging out with your friends. Um, I love to complain out loud a lot, and this is a couple things to help make us an ungrateful person. On the one hand, when you start complaining, and when you're looking for things to complain about, it's gonna become habit to notice things that are going wrong. It's gonna become second nature to see the problems, and you're gonna get the opportunity to see more and more and more without even trying. And then when you complain specifically out loud, it has this threefold effect of cultivating that habit inside of you. Because not only are you thinking it and saying it, that's two, but you're also hearing yourself say it. So that's three for one, guys. What a great deal. Three times the ingratitude for one effort. The fourth thing that you're going to want to do to cultivate ingratitude is to hang out with other ungrateful people. These ungrateful people will not make you feel bad about complaining. They're not gonna push you or inspire you or any of those work words to be better, nothing like that. They're gonna complain with you. In fact, they might even point out some bad things in your life you didn't notice. We love that. And if you're really top tier for complaining and you have a friend who complains a lot to you too, 
you can complain about them complaining. I mean, it's a beautiful system. It's a great job. So get you a friend that's ungrateful, just like you. And lastly, the final thing, and this one kind of undergirds the rest of them, um, one thing that you're going to really want to do if you want to be an ungrateful person, something that I love to do, and it's um, something I consider myself to be an, an expert in, is to focus only on yourself. I am really great at thinking about me. I'm really great about talking about me, and I'm really great on dwelling on my life because, I mean, I spend all day long with myself, like every day of the week, and personally, I think I'm pretty great. But when I focus on just myself, it's so easy because I don't have to cultivate the kind of empathy, kindness, hospitality that other people expect from you when you're like dealing with them. And so when I focus on myself, it's so easy because all I have to do is just think about me. I don't have to be kind or empathetic or understanding. I don't have to listen to things that I don't want to listen to. I can just do what I want. And by doing what I want, that's going to cultivate ingratitude because I'm going to be so focused on myself that I'm not going to see God working anywhere else. So those are five things that I do regularly that make me an ungrateful person. Maybe you're already doing one or two and you've already started your ungrateful journey. But if you want to take it a step further, there are also some habits that you can avoid to become an even better complainer. The great thing about avoiding things and not doing things is that it's so easy. It is so easy to not do things. Like everybody, like right now, let's just take a moment. Boom. We did not do so many things in that moment. We did not go to the grocery store. We did not steal things. We didn't kill anybody. I mean, I don't know for sure about you folks at home, but I'm hoping that all those things are true too. Like we just did nothing. It's so easy to do nothing. We just did it right now. But here are five things that you're going to want to avoid and instead do something else. Do something else that's more fun, like scroll through that Instagram, complain to a friend. The first thing that you're going to want to avoid is this new kind of trendy habit that is like just kind of wild. Um, it's called gratitude journaling. And what it is is these psychos will like spend all day thinking about the good things that have happened to them in their lives that day. Right? They'll think about all the things that went right, all the things that they're grateful for, which just like sounds like so much energy all day long. And then when they get home at night, right before they go to bed, when sane people like us would be uh, sleeping or scrolling or like brushing our teeth or something, they'll take like five whole minutes and write down three to five things they're grateful for that day. That is so much work. Instead, we could be watching one-tenth of an episode of Friends. Actually, it's not one-tenth. It's one-sixth of an episode of Friends. Wouldn't that be great? So much time saved. Just don't gratitude journal. Another thing that you can avoid if you want to be an ungrateful person is just mindfulness. Now, Christian mindfulness has been around for about 2,000 years, for about as long as the faith has. Um, but mindfulness in itself um, has kind of taken on a new wave in recent years. It's become sort of trendy in the secular world and in the Christian world, too. And it's just really hard because mindfulness is the practice of living intentionally, living fully awake to God's presence in your life and to what's going on around you. And that's really hard because it's so easy to be on autopilot. It's so easy to just wake up, go to work, come home, eat, go to sleep, wake up, go to work, come home, eat, go to soccer, go to sleep, wake up, go to work, come home, eat, 
go to sleep. I mean, that's so easy, you don't even have to think about it. Most of us can probably drive to work without even realizing we're driving. Living on autopilot is so much easier than mindfulness. And sure, like mindfulness will help you like feel the presence of God in your life and like recognize your blessings. But unthankfulness is so much easier. The third thing you're gonna wanna avoid, and I'm gonna say this carefully um, because I don't wanna lose my job and you'll probably never hear it again from the pulpit. Um, but if you wanna be an ungrateful person, you're gonna to wanna to stop reading scripture. You're just gonna to wanna to chuck that Bible, put it on the desk, put it in the drawer, like in the hotels, let it collect the dust it needs to. Um, because when you read scripture, you're gonna read about the goodness and faithfulness of God, and that's gonna inspire some like heart change in you, and it's just gonna be a lot of work to kind of work through that and process that, and we don't want that. And it's gonna show you how loving and merciful God is, and like, come on, we really just don't need it. So if you wanna be an ungrateful person, if you wanna take the easy road like I do, just don't read scripture. And think about all the time you're gonna save. Like another five to 10 minutes. We're up to like 15 minutes saved with unthankfulness. The third thing, or fourth thing that we're on is kind of piggybacking off of that one. And again, please don't fire me. Um, you're gonna wanna, you're gonna wanna not pray. Right? If you want to be an ungrateful person like I am, you're going to want to avoid prayer at all costs because prayer is the act of aligning your heart with the God that's already present in your life. And we already know how God feels about ingratitude. He's kind of mentioned it a bunch of places. We mentioned it earlier. He's not really a fan. And aligning your heart with God's takes work. It takes effort. And we ungrateful people like the easy way. So just don't pray. And finally, the fifth thing, and probably the most powerful thing that you really want to avoid, and this one's gonna give you the most time back, is communion. Here at this church, we do communion uh, once a month. We do it on the first Sunday of each month, so the next time will be December 6th that we're gonna celebrate communion. And communion is the act of coming to the table of Christ and remembering the sacrifice that he gave for us that he laid down his life, that his body was broken and his blood was shed just so that God could be reunited with us. That the God who created the whole universe, who sat in heaven amongst angels and hosts of choirs and armies, came down to be human just for us. See, that kind of thing could really swell up some gratitude in you if you were thinking about it very long. But communion takes work because you have to write yourself with God first. And in fact, the Bible even says that before you take communion, if you have a problem with a brother, if there is something going on with a sister, if there is something going on with someone in the church that is not resolved, you need to address them first before you come to the table of Christ. It says to forgive others before you come to the table of Christ. That's a lot of work. And if you wanna be an ungrateful person, just think of all the time you'll save not going to church once a month. You could have pancakes, you could sleep in, you could do brunch. I mean, the possibilities are endless. Okay, so I'm gonna tell you a secret. I don't actually want all of you or any of you to become ungrateful people. I tricked you, you've been swindled, you've been bamboozled. Um, and although I really am 
kind of an ungrateful person at a lot of parts in my life. It's not something I'm practicing towards, right? It's not something God wants for us. And although it really is easier to be ungrateful and unthankful for all the blessings we have, being grateful is better. God commands us to be grateful. In Philippians 2, verse 14, he says, or Paul says, do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky. We are made pure through gratitude is what Paul is saying. And although I suffer with unthankfulness a lot of times in my life, Practicing gratitude will improve not just your life and my life, but the lives of those around us. And it's really easy to cultivate gratitude. Um, basically, everything I said before this, just kind of flip it. The things I said to avoid, you're going to want to do. The things I said to do, you're going to want to avoid. Those kinds of things. But gratitude has this really unique power to bless other people. And what I mean by that is, well, here's a story. So A.J. Jacobs was a self-proclaimed grump and grouch, and he was a writer. And he was really unsettled at his um, ungratitude in his life, at the prevalence complaining had in his life. And so he decided to, every day before dinner, as he sat down with a plate of food in front of him, he would just say a simple, thank you to everyone who contributed to getting this meal to my plate. And they'd eat it. And that worked kind of well, but then one day, his son said, well, Dad, you didn't realize no one can hear you? If you really want to be a thankful person, why don't you go thank these people in person? Go see these people and thank them for it. And so A.J. Jacobs decided that he was going to take that up. He was going to partake in that challenge, and he decided that he was going to thank every single person who contributed to his morning cup of coffee. Every single morning, he would go down to a coffee shop, grab a cup of coffee, and he wanted to thank everyone who provided that cup of coffee for him. Little did he know that it was going to take him 12 months, a full year, and 1,000 thank yous to finally kind of approach enough. You see, as he began thanking the barista who made his cup of coffee, she said, well, I couldn't do it without the beans and the water, without the electricity to grind the beans and heat the water. I couldn't do it without the shop that's around us, and I'm not the only one who works here. So then he started going around and thinking other people. He thanked the people who provided the water, the people who provided the electricity. And then he realized he should probably thank the people who made the road so that not only could the electricity and the water and stuff be installed, but also so that he could go and get his cup of coffee. And then he realized he should probably go and thank the people who grew the beans and picked them and sent them off. And so he ended up traveling to four different countries to say thank you for different parts of his cup of coffee. It took him a year, and he thanked over a thousand people. He actually wrote a book about it. It's called the. Uh, it's called A Thousand Thank Yous. If you're interested in reading it, I, I haven't read it personally, but I've heard his story, and I think it'd probably be a good read. But the thing is, is that the power of gratitude, and one of the reasons why I think God um, commands us to be grateful people, is because it it does this thing where it makes us realize how dependent we are on one another. Every part of my life depends on other people. 
And I pride myself on being a very independent person. I like to think that I don't really need anybody. But the truth is, is that I would not survive one day on my own. If I want something as simple as an apple, there are a thousand thank yous behind it. You see, God created us to be in community with one another. And when we start to show gratitude, we start to realize how dependent we are. And that realization pushes us to love. And what that love pushes us to do is to help other people have better lives. When A.J. Jacobs traveled around and he discovered where his coffee beans were from and started thanking people, he discovered just how prevalent slavery is in the coffee trade. The coffee trade is the number one uses, the number one user of unpaid labor, of slaves. You see, it was out of gratitude, out of an appreciation for what he has been given in just a simple cup of coffee that he realized his call to right the wrong of slavery. It was gratitude that pushed him to love for the people who picked his coffee beans, that pushed him to justice, to fight for them so that they could be freed from their bondage. God calls us to gratitude because it's more than just us. Because God called us to community and because God has done such great things in our life. We've been blessed beyond all measure by the creator. And sure, Ingratitude is easier, but gratitude and thankfulness is better. Not just for us, but for the people around us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for creating this world that we get to live in. <clears throat> thank you for being present in our lives. God, thank you for creating the people around us, the people that we need. Thank you for not leaving us here alone and by ourselves. God, I ask that you bless us. Help us to be more grateful people. Help us to see how dependent we are, not just on one another, but also on you. That every good thing comes from you. I ask all these things in the name of your son praying the prayer that he taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thanks for listening to this message from Odilla United Methodist Church. We hope and pray that it will make a difference in the way you approach the world and the way you're able to share the love of God with those around you. If you need more information about our church, find us on Facebook or at ovillaumc.org.